Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Future is Bilingual. My name is Heather. Thank you for joining me, whether it's the first time or you've uh, joined before. I am very excited. I'm going to talk to Maria today, and she's going to tell us all about herself. So, Maria, tell us who you are. Oh, thanks, Heather. Super excited to be here. Um, I am a child of immigrants. Um, my dad was originally from Spain, my mother Cuban. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was born in Miami and raised in New Orleans, which is a big part of my childhood in the sense that we weren't raised in a metro area with a lot of Hispanics. There were no Hispanics in our neighborhood. We were the How anomaly. How long did you stay in Miami? Because Miami's got tons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we only stayed. I was there for two weeks and then we moved to New Orleans. Oh, OK. Barely. So, so I really grew up in New Orleans and um, we were very different. We were the family that spoke a different language. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't know what to make of us. And um it very much shaped my childhood and it took me years to understand how significant the fact that we spoke a different language and employed a different ethos meaning we lived a different culture that was a big right. part of it too a lot of culture clashes mm-hmm. um do you know why we- your parents decided to move from Miami which you'd be immersed in Cuban culture and other yeah. you know like hispanohablante like cultures to New Orleans. Was it a job? Yeah, my dad was a civil engineer and there was work in New Orleans. So that's why they moved there. Mm -hmm. Um, They had no affinity to it prior to that. Um, An opportunity. An opportunity. But you know, the the whole inside the home, it was the Spanish language to our parents and to my grandmother, uh, our siblings, we only spoke English to each other. Mm -hmm. And um, the culture was and the ethos was all about collectivism all about family and community that's the most important thing right so and then we go you bring that up i just did a lesson on that with my oh. my english language learners i have adult english language learners and we did a whole lesson oh the collectivist yes. versus the individualist society yes. because it is a huge like mindset when you think yes. about it, like whoa so maybe tell yes. us a little bit about that because yeah that might be a new term to people like if you've yeah. only really grown up in the states, maybe you don't even know what that means. What does that mean, collectivist? Yeah. So if you so if you think of um, Latino cultures and a lot of cultures, Southern European cultures, they're collectivists, meaning that their overarching ethos puts the greatest and the most paramount value on relationships between family and community. That it's it's very tribal. It's it's mm-hmm. the the top of the hierarchy is you take care of family and fa- you lose yourself in your family. It's all about your family. It's about the group. The, the it's good, about the group, what, and it's about for the in, group. Yeah. yes, and it, what's best for the group, and it's all, and it values interdependence. It's all about interdependence. And then when you know, it's actually up, most societies because when you you know you mentioned the it's definitely Latino, you know, the whole Latin American, a lot of those. Um, yes. but also you know. African, right? You mentioned the word tribal, like it's got the idea of like taking care of the tribe, yes. what is best for the tribe, yes. and sharing so that everybody has. But even, you know, the, the the articles that I was reading with my students was focused on Asia. So Japan is a really um, prominent example, but like India, you know, Southeast Asia, like basically most countries, most of the world maybe, is for like Western Europe and the US. Um, Western so Europe, did, yeah. Canada, yeah. You know, like Scandinavia. The, I mean, there are some countries that are definitely uh, Austria less collective. You know, and it's a and scale. I, it's not like a hundred percent, but it's like right. more towards the individualist. Right. What do I do to make me happy? What do yes. I need? What's in it for me? Exactly. <laughs> then, yeah, it's a like, huge 
huge it's, difference. It's a, it, um, if, if, if anyone is, is that's hearing this wants to really get engrossed in, in this whole topic of the culture clash, Sam Huntington, the late Sam Huntington from Harvard wrote a great book about it, uh, Clash of Civilizations. And it, it really grounded me in understanding the American ethos because I was I was being raised at home with the Latino ethos and collectivism, and I'd go to my American school and I was taught in English and I was taught to be self-reliant and independent. So this culture clash between independence and interdependence is at the core of the issues. And it impacts everything when you're growing up. And that's it a good point. We shouldn't everything. say like one is good or bad, because I think no, sometimes just we different. tend to say that like, oh, it's, you know, selfish, you know, the the whole individualist is kind of selfish you're only thinking about yourself but at the same time it's teaching you to 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 do things for yourself to be what's the word i want yeah like resilient and you can you can figure things out yeah. on your own so yeah there's good and bad to both but um for sure right Even my my uh, student from guatemala was like i always share my snack with my coworkers, and they're like why are you sharing with me like yeah you, just, you don't do that here you know like everybody has their own you know and they bring their own and they take care of themselves but like She's like, that's how I was raised. My mother told me, like, you always share. You whatever you have, you give to the group. You know, so yeah. Oh, it impacts everything. I mean, everything. you know, your social your social bubble is very different. You know, a social bubble to a Latino collectivist is it's very minimal. Meaning, you know, it's okay to hug and to touch and what have you. For uh, you know, an individualist society, they have a larger social bubble. There's greater distance between when you introduce someone and you shake mm -hmm. their hands. Um, so there's less physical contact. Um, individualistic cultures are much more informed by discipline and frugality. Um, and they they have a reputation for being a lot more rational and less emotional. Um, so it's like there are a million differences. And when you grow up with them, it seeps into everything, like you said, because we can give so many examples of where this plays out. Oh, and, yeah. And well, it causes confusion or like, what? You know, like, why are they doing? You don't understand why someone's doing something. Yeah. I mean, it just, it really, because it's a mindset, it, it touches every aspect of what we do and how yeah. we think. Yeah, totally. And oh, you know, I, I I work in marketing, so I really it informs everything I do. So I work with brands that are trying to reach the Hispanic market. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you an example of how how these differences play out in the real world, right? Um, so I had a brand years ago who came to me. It was a retailer, had developed a clothing line that was that had comfortable clothes for women. Okay. That was, that was there. It was all about comfortable clothes for women. And That's they, what we want. There we go. they, they started doing a campaign to the Hispanic market and they translated all of the ad copy to Spanish. Oh and they started targeting first generation Hispanic women who were the most collective and they weren't seeing an uptick in sales. And they sent me the copy and they said, did we do a good job translating? I said, well, you translated the language beautifully, but you totally forgot it's a totally different culture. And they were like, well, what do you mean by that? It's like, well, his first generation Spanish dominant Hispanic women are part of a collective. They don't dress for comfort. That's a very independent value. They dress yeah. for appearances because they're dressing for others. They're not dressing for themselves. So you see it play out in all aspects 
of their lives. The sharing, appearance is paramount, not comfort. The the Marianism, which is very much a part of collectivism, which is, you know, you suffer like 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 Mary, Mother Mary. Um, it's um there's there's value in that. Everything is for others. It's not for yourself. Yes. I could go on and on about this for a while because that greatly informed my childhood, I ended up studying psychology to understand my childhood. Mm -hmm. And then I got a graduate degree in mass communications and I embarked in advertising and um, I had a gap. Yeah. Yes, they translated, but that's not the whole job. Like you could put the word like, but like, that's not going to help if like, they don't care about comfort. Like you can put comfortable clothes, but like that, they're just going to, it's going to go in one ear out the other. And that's yeah, not it's not it's not the unique value proposition, right? That's what we talk about in advertising. So, um, so interesting. I and that's uh, where so many probably things fall through, fall through the yeah. cracks where we oh, think yeah. well, we're doing a good job and like, why isn't this working? You know, like why isn't this resonating? Think that just we can translate with Google and AI and like, okay, we'll just translate. You know, even on I shared on social media my uh, fitness app. I do little like 10, 20 minute things and. I changed the language to French just for fun, but it automatically gives me subtitles. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I was doing the workout, but it put, um, it's funny because this is a marketing term. The term that they put was like um, something in publier, but the English was like release, like hold it and release it. But the word like publier is like, you know, publish it, release it to the public. And they just translated, they just put it in Google and it gave them the word publish not, oh wow that's pretty not funny. like release not like let it go you know like it's just so fun. I was like cracking up I'm like did this really happen so I took a screenshot and shared it because my language uh loving followers would appreciate that oh um, yeah yeah but that's the same thing where they just translate and they think that the message has come across but like they're they're translating idioms they're translating it's just not so it's not easy so hats off to all the translators um yeah yeah bridging gaps like that that yeah you have to be both linguistically and culturally relevant but um yeah so um years ago I um started focusing on a character one of the things we uncovered in research that I was involved in about 15 years ago when people were studying the Hispanic market, they were studying the Spanish dominant Hispanic, which is the first generation immigrant, but they weren't studying the bilingual bicultural. Those of us that were born here or came here at a very early age, the 1.5 generation comes to the, comes to a, yep. the U.S. at the age of 10 or younger, and the second generation were born here. And, best, yeah. and the reason it, that that was happening is because general market, our American market and our American brands, the argument they'd always give us was, well, you speak English, you speak English, you're clearly English dominant, our general market message is reaching you. So what we just talked about, uh, my response was always, it's reaching me, but it's not touching me, which is why I'm not brand loyal, right? There's no resonance. There's no emotional resonance because of what we just talked about, right? You're talking about appearances and I'm as a bilingual bicultural, the head, the heart. right. And as a bilingual bicultural, we're the largest part of the Hispanic market. We represent 67%. Most Hispanics are born here, right? Yes. And a lot of people don't realize that. So we were an emerging cohort and we did a study 
years ago to uncover interesting findings about the bilingual bicultural. And I'm sure folks um, that listen to your podcast will appreciate this. Yes. Our I mean, thesis you can was... share the links and all this, oh. you know, the book and the links and all the things. Oh, you're yeah, gonna yeah. Mention. We're going to yes. need it all in the show notes. Yeah. So our, when our... they hear this, they can go click. Yeah. So our thesis was pretty simple. And it was that children of immigrants are high value consumers, not only because of their sheer size, but because we become the Sherpas for our foreign born family members. We translate the language, interpret the US ethos and traditions and all that comes with that. We inform brand and product purchases at a very early age. We demystify services and technology and a whole bunch of things for our parents. And it's actually a role we play our whole lives. And more importantly, as we mature, our sphere of influence becomes culturally and linguistically agnostic. It's not just our Spanish dominant friends and family, it's our American friends and family too. Mm -hmm. We just become influencers because part of that role as a child, it creates burden, it creates responsibility, but it also creates a lot of resilience and a lot of, um, I can take care of this attitude, right? So you are touching on some issues that need to be addressed. And I don't, think I've had a guest talk about that where yes the yes. responsibility that falls on these children of immigrants yes I'm a child of an immigrant but my father is English speaking so we didn't ever have that burden of like having to translate having to you know answer calls and talk about insurance at the age of five you know you're just you're the mediator you're translating but like that's a huge burden and that happens so often and I feel like it's it's not talked about and it's, it's not. And I'm here to talk about that. Yes, that is why please. I'm here. I think I'm here. I think I was brought here <laughs> to talk about this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because I also read to kids my books um, at school through Zoom or in person, and they give me such great feedback. And I have a letter that a little girl from New York wrote me that's on my refrigerator. And uh, I, she says, you know, my name is Rosa. I came to the U.S. when I was three. My parents are from India. I am Marie V. And I have had that from many kids from Egypt, from Saudi Arabia, that they see themselves in this character who is playing this role. And it's almost second nature. No one's, no one's applauding it. No one's, it's just, that's who you are and that's who you become. And it's expected. It's It's totally expected. Devalued where it's like, if you don't do a good job, now you're yelled at. Yeah. Um, Or, you know, the person on the other end is annoyed with you because. Right. Right. You don't even know how to translate what your parents are saying. Yeah, I mean, it's totally like you have no choice. Um, so yeah. yeah, and it's tell the... us about this. You alluded to your book, so please. Yeah, yeah. Them. So, so I started thinking. I, I was doing nonprofit. Uh, I was just doing volunteer work for this nonprofit, and I ended up working with a lot of kids that were um, Hispanic kids like me that were U.S. born, and. They were having the same issues I had at school, being embarrassed to raise your hand, feeling insecure because we were so different. And I thought, how can that be all these years later in LA, kids are still feeling like that. Um, so even with the numbers rising, yeah, even with the, even, even if with you're the, the, numbers the, ma- rising, that's the majority of the population. Yes. Why are still issues some not of that. working themselves yes. out? Right? Like, why? yeah, that's that, a great question. Right. So the psychology <laughs> background, which. Because each which, kid is fighting it in their, in their own they're doing all of this doing all the work inside and no it's not being talked about yeah yeah so I I thought you know we played that role as kids I played that role as a kid had I had a Sherpa or a character a childhood character Mm -hmm. that I could relate to and that I could that could mirror what I had lived 
I, life would have been easier for me and for a lot of us. And so I started just writing and um, I ended up putting together this framework for, it's a longitudinal book and video series. Mm -hmm. And it starts from first grade to sixth grade. And it follows this character called Marie V, which is a nickname for Maria Victoria. Mm -hmm. And the whole series is called uh, the Master Navigator series. And I really struggled with what to call the series, but it had to be that because I wanted all the kids that read it or the adult kids that read it, I have a lot of adults that yeah. read these books, to recognize the fact that they are the master navigator. I love the word master. They're not. Yeah, like, I do too. It's like, it. you have, you, and if you don't feel like you are mastering it and you see it as a deficit and a weakness and just a burden now, you will see it as your superpower down the road. And that's what I wanted kids to walk away with, right? Um, they are the master navigators. And it's very empowering. Um, I was at the online polyglot gathering, which has lots of speakers talking. And one of the talks was about having an alter ego and like the psychology behind having an alter ego in your language learning. But of course, she said, this goes to all aspects of your life where like, what would Superman do? Or like, how would Batman, you know, for, she was talking about studies that kids, they did three times better on a math test when they were told to like, think that, you know, they got dressed up like their their favorite superhero right. and they literally did better this was like eight-year-old third grade kids um but like there's just this psychological thing that happens where we're like i don't know if we just try harder or you know we persevere more or just it gives us some sort of this power right that like we identify like with that alter ego and she said it, you know it can be anything um, but yes, having this Marivi, right? And I love it that she has this long Hispanic name, Maria Victoria. Oh, yes. Yes. That's so culturally relevant. And um, yes. yeah, I think it's just, it's so powerful beyond what we can even imagine. Like, what is that going to, it's just, that's the beauty of being a teacher or an author, right? Like you touch a child's life for however long they're reading the book or however long they're your student, but you don't know what that carries down the road into their lives and right right exactly and the so flip side of that is you do know um that if they don't see themselves and they don't have a character or an alter ego however we frame it mm -hmm. that they can say this is me in the media then there are consequences i mean i think they're emotional mental physical where you raise where you're never seeing yourself and you're already feeling um, unsettled. You know, there's a Spanish saying, de aquí, ni de allá. you, you mm -hmm. don't feel 100% at home and you don't feel 100% at school because you really are straddling two worlds. Yep. And you're not 100% of either of those worlds. You're 100% of being bilingual, bicultural. The and that's, kids that's with yeah, that. third not culture here, kids. Exactly. Like, where yes. am I from? Where What's am I my from? Identity? And every right. child, even the ones monolingual raised in the same town, have an identity crisis totally. know, in their teen years like that's a normal thing that's to happen normal. psychologically it's, part of maturity, it's yeah. so much more amplified when you yes and it starts earlier when yes you're, you're straddling I love the word straddling these two worlds and like you're constantly back and forth and trying to navigate and you know it's not and I love that you you know it's not just language it's the culture it's the ethos it's the way of life it's the mentality totally. it, it's so much deeper than just oh you're a Spanish speaker like Yes. And <laughs> yes, and there's a whole other culture behind me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is really about 
helping kids see themselves. And it's also about demystifying the Hispanic market for general market, for non-Hispanic, uh, for the non-Hispanic market. You know, we, everyone has stereotypes that we create about different cohorts. And this is all about trying to break free of that. And, um, you know, it, it follows, the thing I most like about the series is that it's very authentic in the sense that all these kids will all see themselves Hispanic kids for sure, but bicultural kids will see themselves. And I'm seeing the results of that from my readings right. with the kids. And so just to give you an example of what happens, like the first one is called school crossing. And these are navigational terms, right? Crossing. The reason it's school crossing, it's also because many kids that don't grow up in metro areas without a lot of folks like them, their first reality check is when they get to school, their parents aren't there to protect them. And they walk in and they're like, oh my gosh, I am totally different than everyone here. Mm -hmm. But what happens to Marie B on her first day of school happens to many of us. Her real name is Maria Victoria de la Paz Abascal. The teacher can't pronounce her name. So she just calls her Mary Paz. And Marie B doesn't even know that they're calling her. So that's the first thing. And that happens to all of us, oh, right? Mm-hmm. And this, and, and you know, we chuckle at it, but the reality is for a kid, what you're really telling painful. them is you're saying you are not welcome as you are, right? You need to come in differently, right? So we have that. Um, the her school lunch is different. She's got black beans and rice, and all these kids have bologna sandwiches and they make fun of her. I uh, the teacher, any day. Yeah. So the teacher, the teacher uh, tells the students to draw a self-portrait. Mm-hmm. And she realizes that she is the only one in the whole class that has drawn herself with her whole family at the dinner table. Again, because she comes from a collective ethos. So it's kind of demystifying and educating and mirroring and empowering um, the the, the the readers and the characters are all playing a role in just trying to move society forward at the end of the day. Yeah, no, it's great. And I think um, the best part is like these kind of books, it's not just for the Hispanic kid with the, right. the two Spanish speaking, it's for the, the white kid, right? Like my kids, you know, I love to buy these books and like, let's read about, you know, this book of this person, you know, with a totally different background than you. Like it, it's not limited in that sense, because it's eye-opening for all of us to see like, you know what, maybe you're not identifying with Mari V but you're going to identify that there's a kid like that in your class. And totally. You should not comment that their lunch looks disgusting. And right. all those lessons, they can branch out to all um, all kids. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's just great. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I always think about it with my own, um, you know, they would think about it with the, the language, but not necessarily... You know, with the, the culture the, the yeah they're looking different of the collective um versus yes individual. but there's so many things like even the the self-portrait I love that because that she even you know self in our individual's mind is me <laughs> it's all about me and I love that she drew her whole family because that's where she sees herself well who that's am right. I I am in a part of this, this that's family. right that's, that's right so yeah that. so it, it it's all about um really sharing that. And, you know, it's been very cathartic for me too, I must say, because (laughs) it's like, they're not, they're not autobiographical by any means, but they're informed by childhood experiences or those that I heard from others that were like me. And uh, they're informed by what I've studied and what I know to be true in conversations with other kids. And it's like, you know, we need to, we need to create a framework for 
uh, especially the bicultural, to have a place where they can, a respite, mm -hmm. a place where they can find some solace and say, okay, I'm, uh, many times we're so not even conscious of that we're doing that when we're growing up. And we don't know what impact that will have on us down the road, but seeing it, finding comfort in it, finding empowerment in it, knowing that this too shall pass, but it will pass for a greater sense of self and who you are. And it'll be a positive thing, not a negative thing. Right. Um, it's so is, different is, than just telling a kid, it'll be better, you know, just wait till you're 20. Like, uh, I'm 10. I don't want to wait. No, you know, no like wants, those yeah. quick, easy, like just kind of brushing it under the, the rug or like a quick sentence, like, you'll be happy or bilingual one day, but like, yes, but you know, they need to have, they need more than just the sentence or the. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. So that shelf, it, like you're doing a good job. Keep going, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what this is all about. And all the characters are very true to many uh, Hispanic families. You know, she lives in a multi-generational household, which again, the collective, you know, and uh, her grandmother lives with her and she's got a brother and a sister and her parents. And you know, she, uh, I've had kids ask me so many great things, you know, why did you call her the navigator? Why Victoria? And I said, well, Maria Victoria, because ultimately she is victorious in amalgamating both cultures and both languages and her life becomes stronger, not weaker because of it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, but she goes to school and the first thing some kids notice on the cover is that she has a bandaid on her knee. It's like, why does she have, a, oh, that's very purposeful because she's already feeling a little insecure and I wanted to depict that physically, right? I, um, I can so, tell you've really thought every little thing through. Oh, I've tried. And yeah. I think that's important, right? Because it's what it goes back to what you just said, Heather, about it's so easy to say this too shall pass or, you know, in 20, by when you're 20. So, but they're living, I really try to get in the moment when I'm writing about this and the feelings and, and sharing those, the, you know, the anxiety, my, the butterflies in my stomach, the, these were very real feelings that I remember having. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been amazed how many kids can relate to the authentic representation of the feelings. 100%. And, and even having something physical, people notice, right? Like, well, people will ask you, why do you have a bandit? You know, kids notice that kind of stuff, right? Like right. adults won't ask you, what did you do? Yes. Kids immediately, they see something on you. What did you do? Why do you have this? Why? Yeah, yeah. This? There's no filter, so, right? Yeah. And, <laughs> no. and again, like for them though, like it can also be representative of like, you know, are they going to ask about why are you eating this? You know, it's, it's all those things that kids, I love that they notice the bandaid and they notice yeah. all those things, they um, notice it. but I love, yeah, that you even thought to put that physical representation of like, oh. there's something, yeah, you know, I'm a Thank little you. sensitive here and yeah, it went so deep. Now I need to know, is this available in Spanish or like, have you thought about doing <clears throat> You know what? I am going to have them available there. I have two books out now, School Crossing and Weekend Ways. And they basically follow each three, there's all it, three books are going to be created for each age group for mm -hmm. first or sixth grade. And they basically follow school, then home life, then school, because most kids spend their time in school, right? Exactly. And so the yep. third book, the third book comes out um, in a couple of months and all three of them are in English now, but they will all be available in Spanish in a couple of months. Um yep. Because I want the, I, I, that was the other piece of this. I always thought about doing it in Spanish, 
I want the parents to be able to understand what the kids are going through and they're not sharing because I, I, one of the things about growing up, especially when you're a child of, of immigrants is, um, you know, there's there, you don't want to ruffle your parents' feathers because they've already been through a lot, right? And so you have done all this to get you here, to get you you here and to give you a better life. So there's some of that guilt guilt associated with all of it that you're hypersensitive to. And I think that, um, I didn't, uh, I wanted this to serve as a bridge for interfamilial conversation so that kids could say, mom, why don't you read it in Spanish? I'll read it in English. And then it, it's an opportunity for them to break open the window and say, okay, let's talk about this. Are you right. going through this? You know, because most kids, you know, you get black beans and rice. Well, that's what you get. The, the mom has no idea the kids are laughing at you because you're reading that. And maybe right. there's another solution, right? But if the kid doesn't want to tell the mom because they're embarrassed and they don't want the mom to feel guilty, then it stays as an event that there was never any closure to. And it just perpetuates. Yes. Right. 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 And they don't feel like they should tell the mom, right? Like, so yes, exactly. of course they're, I mean, you don't want to hurt your mom, but you're getting hurt at school. Like they're, they don't have a good solution what are they going to do? Yeah. 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 And I think it perpetuates a a life of, of, of being very protective of your parents and regardless of what that takes, right? Like not sharing stuff that maybe other kids in nuclear families would share with their parents because there's this heightened level of, um, we don't want to burden them with this. Right. So yeah, I think it's important. That's really great. And I, yeah, I was asking for maybe two reasons because of course, um, this podcast is for parents raising bilingual kids. So if someone's raising their kids in Spanish and they're, you know, they only speak Spanish to their kid because that's their, their parenting, um, you know, their parenting plan that they're using, you know, then they'd want to read it in Spanish and it's good. You know, we, a lot of us can translate on the fly, but it's nice to have, you know, authentically written. Yes. Um, It's not always going to be the same phrasing and things like that. Um, Correct. It's just, it's nice to have, a book that's already in Spanish or even yeah. you know, English and Spanish together. Yeah. Uh, things like that. And I had a friend write a book that was bilingual French and English, and she made it rhyme in both. So they were like completely different. Like it wasn't like word for word translation, but I love it even more because it wasn't just a translation. It was, it made sense when you read it in that one language because it rhymed and it sounded good. And, you know, the I whole, love like, it. Musicality yeah. went better. So I don't think it should be ever be just a strict translation like this to this you know I think it's, yeah. it's nicer to get the cultural flair and the cultural flair right yeah. right well that's great I'm very happy to hear but yeah the reason you gave is um so so important as well because you know even if the parent you know hopefully they sit down and read it but even if it's just you know they see the pictures and they can just bring it up and it, you know they just come on over and see and the kid can say oh that happened to me or right feel that you know, it could open up so many doors. Right, right. So Maria, you said that there's number, book three is launching. Book three is launching in a couple of months, definitely in the summer. School Crossing and Weekend Ways are the first two books. They're available at Amazon. And um, I also have a website called We Are Muddy V, W-E-A-R-E-M-A-R-I-V as in Victor I.com. And that actually... um, 
um, it's getting expanded as we speak, but right now there, the version of the site has school crossing in there. And there's a section for teachers and parents to actually um, questions for them to probe with the readers oh, and the great. family. Um, to, you know, why does somebody be not want to raise her hand? Why does she draw a self-portrait? You know, why the why behind a lot of things that happen to her just to to drive some conversation and, and, so and understanding. Mm -hmm. And as I said earlier, we will put all these things, easily clickable links in the show notes. Great, so great. Listeners can just easily find them. Um, okay, great. And you said there's going to be six books total, correct? Oh, there's going to be, uh, yeah. I think when all is said and done, I'll have um, at least 18 English books and then I'll have them all translated to Spanish. Oh, so it's three books per for year, for 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 every level yeah yeah and I might do more this is just you know my framework for now mm -hmm. um and the first episode of the Mighty V series school crossing um launched this uh month on nuestra.tv which is a streaming service it's free so um for anyone who you can download the app at the app, Apple App Store or you can just go to your computer and open a browser and put in nuestra n u e s t r a .tv which means our tv and you'll find the content there the 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 show there and it's free so everybody can access it check it it's out free. right even if you're learning spanish or want to learn Spanish one day. I mean, why not? Right. This is a great. Yeah. Resource. Oh, and I, that's a, that's a great point, Heather. I should yeah. mention this. This is not in Spanish. The The episode is primarily in English and okay. when Spanish is spoken, it's when it would happen or, or get organically at home, right? When she's speaking to her parents or to her grandmother or the parents are speaking to each other. And whenever there's Spanish spoken, which is only maybe 20% of the episode, mm -hmm. there are subtitles. So anyone can watch this. That's great. Yeah. But again, I think so often we focus on, I'm learning Spanish, I need to do Duolingo and learn phrases, but then you have you have a deficit in culture. You don't know yeah. anything about culture. Right. And then you, right. if you don't go somewhere or have a friend or have an in, you could speak great Spanish and know nothing about Hispanic right. you know, cultures. So right. you know, if this is something that's important to your family or just important to you linguistically, why not, right? Because like we said, it's, language and culture it's just seeped into everything so even just watching right. it can be eye-opening um or if you're a teacher I love that you have the thing with teachers and parents like I'm doing an ESL class right now or I don't like the term ESL because it's like second language assuming they don't already speak more uh -huh. so I'm taking a class for like teaching English as um another language and there's so many teachers in the U.S. like if you think of how many teachers deal with ELLs, English language learners. Ooh, I mean, <laughs> I always have a marketing hat on, but like that's a huge, huge audience, yeah. right? Because yeah. the number is increasing and it has been since, you know, for decades. And that is a huge population that we need to, of course, help in the classroom, but like you can help them by understanding more what's happening you know, right. at home and in between like the transitioning between home and school because any transition can be hard right right um, and right it's such a stark difference that makes it all the more hard yes so there's just I, I, I can think of so many people that would benefit from this right like yeah everyone. I do too I do too and I, it's I great believe that it's, it's in English because the kids who I mean think of how big Dora got like kids who are just you know, monolingual kids growing up in the U.S., like they're going to now understand their classmates better, right? Even right. if they have no tie to this sort of thing, great. 
like watch the story about the kid who does and learn and empathize. Right. That's right. Creating empaths. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's so great. So we'll share, we'll share all the links and everybody can can download. Thank you. Word of mouth, you know, people sharing, people talking about things. Yes. hundred percent. Please do share. Yes. Wonderful. Yeah. And I should mention Heather, our social handles are we are Mm -hmm. mighty V we're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. So feel free to join. Once we link you one place, right? Yeah. Everybody starts connecting all the dots and I think it's just so great. Well, I will definitely put links in because people can get their hands on those books, you know, ASAP. Yeah, thank and then, you. like we thank said, you. Spanish versions coming out soon, which is always great. Yeah. And I think it's so touching that, you know, you've had uh, students, you said you do some, was it in-person or online readings of the book? Oh, both. I do both. Oh, and it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the, the re- re- what do I want to say? The responses, the the comments that kids give is probably just you know makes it all worth it because I can imagine how many hours you're putting into this and oh yeah you said there's 18 books maybe more yeah yeah it's it must be a project of love because that sounds like a huge undertaking oh it is a it is a total passion project and Mm -hmm. um I gotta tell you I have been I've been surprised about a couple of things. You said you you wear your marketing hat. So I want to share this with you. You know, when I put all this together, because I have a marketing background, I put mm-hmm. together this presentation and I said, okay, my primary market is going to be children of immigrants, full stop. Secondary market is going to be adult children of immigrants. And I have been amazed at how many children of immigrants that are adult children of immigrants have reached out to me with this Muddy Bee series. The, I, the first response I got was from a brain surgeon who told me this was uh, this was my life story. And, you know, it was, it, it, and someone referred to it as the inner child of the adults. And I think there's a lot of truth there. There's a lot of opportunity to heal a lot of things for the inner child of children of immigrants. And I think that really surprised me at the response from the adults. Mm -hmm. And the last piece of it, which I find fascinating, which um, came up through the school visits, there's there's a, 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 a market for children who are general market kids Mm-hmm. So they're not Hispanic, not ethnic, right? But they're assimilating a multicultural family member. I had a little girl mm-hmm. tell me in one of my schools that she her her father had passed away years ago and her stepdad was from the Middle East mm-hmm. and he spoke Arabic at home all the time and she didn't understand him. And she said, I am Mariby. Oh, yeah. It which happen it, the family dynamics are you know can be so many different things oh it was so moving to me because yeah. it was just like yeah this whole other and we know we're becoming more and more multicultural but seeing it through the eyes of a kid and what they're going through and then looping it back to the muddy v series was very heartwarming yeah and i think you're so right with the second uh, point that you made about the adults who are are feeling very touched and very seen and very just identifying with uh, Marie V, it's, you know, we are much more conscious, I think it's 2023. Um, and we are all trying to like heal, like even the the terminology, heal your inner child, like that's very well known. That's very um, yes. popular and trendy and for good reason, right? We all really should heal our yes. child and become, you know, 
better versions of ourselves who aren't going to be triggered and angered. And I just think that's, it's great because what you're putting out is helping. And that's maybe you didn't even think of it when you first started that like adults would connect with this, but yes, I mean, who's reading the book to kids? Adults. Yeah. yeah right, <laughs> right. Right. Whether it's right. a teacher, a cousin, you name it, right. The parent. Yeah. Yeah. Going to be it's- until they learn to read for themselves. Um, and is that something you've considered? You said the ages were first to sixth grade. I mean, that's that's a huge difference because a first grader is just getting there with those sight words and maybe a couple, they can read a couple things versus yeah. who's reading by themselves. So how did you take that into consideration? Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I, um, I, the sweet spot for the books right now is really second and third graders. They are just, they, uh, because they're understanding a lot more of it. Right. Right. Um, I've read to first graders who love to have the story read to them, but I think they're, um, they're a little, they're not as socially aware at that age just yet. Right. They haven't, they're, they're still overwhelmed with being in school for the first time that they they can't pick up on the nuances because they're just, it's, mm-hmm. they don't have that maturation. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I say first to sixth grade and I see the sweet spot for this bundle. It starts with her. She's when the, when the story starts, she, she says, I'm eight years old, I'm in third grade. And she's reminiscing about her first grade experience. Oh, okay. So in that sense, it's about the first grade experience. And that's what the kids can relate to. Not so much for first graders to read it, but to understand that that's what she's referring back to. Yeah. Are you thinking of making it, um, is she going to grow with the series? Like, yes, I so want her to grow with this more series. More yeah, because and the language will get more complex. And, yes, and and, and and it gets my you teacher know, brain is now on of like yeah, because, because those are different key, learners. Different learners and key events that happen in our lives are very different. Um, you know, when a child gets her first period, very different in a Hispanic family than an American family. Um, the is it sweet 16 or is it your quinceanera i mean you know um, we saw a quinceanera the other day we were in a, a bigger city near us that has a big hispanic population and my kids were just like deer in headlights they couldn't stop looking at her you know first we saw the limo oh kids look a limo and we didn't know who's if they're gonna just drive away but they stopped she came out she had this gorgeous ball guy you know total princess look to her and both my kids were just staring at her. <laughs> I was just, I'm like, all right. Well, at first, I, you know, usually we're like, don't stare, don't stare. Um, but they were just like in awe. Um, oh, that's so They've funny. never seen a yeah. quinceanera before. And she was taking her pictures in the park and we were strolling. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's such a big event that, yeah. Yes, it's a huge event. It's like a wedding, you know, it's, it's a huge exciting. event. Um <laughs> You know, and, and it deals with stuff that all of us dealt with, you know, like uh, in talk of culture clash, you know, um, the third book talks about the sister asking her mom if she can have a sleepover. And, mm-hmm. you know, for a Hispanic family, that's like dropping a nuclear bomb on the roof of their house because you don't sleep over, sleep over whose house and why you have your own home. You know, it's a moment of pride and it's indignation to think that you're going to sleep at someone else's house. And those are little events that happen at different grades. And, 
they don't get talked about, but it's, they become battle moments of battle Mm -hmm. for the child and the parent who lives both um, worlds, who's living in both worlds, but but the parents say no, no. And the parents say no. And, you know, ultimately we land on this reality. Each member of the family is searching for their own sense of community, right? right? For the Spanish dominant uh, parent, it's the Spanish dominant traditions and people and language, right? For the bilingual, bicultural, they so want to assimilate and be like all their American friends. Um, they can't see outside of that. So that's the community they want to belong in, right? But and they know push, they don't. It's a push-pull because I feel like when, how do I say this? Like anyone who's moved out of their country or you know, they're going to clamp down more because they're like, well, we really have to do this because you're not living, you're not growing up the way I did. So we got to be even more strict. Or, you know, I think of it with like any religious convert, the convert is way more strict than the people born into that religion because they're totally much more religious. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So there is like a clamping down when you've now uprooted and you're trying to raise your kids the Latino way. Right. Right. The US, you're going to be even more no, no, no. Totally. Because you don't have the physical land, right? So exactly. it's a, your value system becomes your physical framework and your infrastructure, right? But the, and the 10-year-old kid does not see it, his, you know, the does way not his see it, parents see it. it. No, <laughs> not at all. That's mean. Yeah. And I think there's, a, you know, there's another piece of it, I think, too, which is um, for collective culture success. You know, we could have a whole separate podcast on successful parenting, mm-hmm. but success is the kids are, they mirror me, they're like me. I was a successful parent. I put them through school. They stayed in my house till they got married. And now mm-hmm. they're creating more members of the collective. This was successful parenting, right? Okay. And you know, I had this conversation with my 90-year-old mother not too long ago. It's like, mom, you success to you was what the collective success is, which is all about they're like me. But we were born and raised here. And for an American successes, you found your own path. Be different. Successfully. Yeah. Individually, (laughs) individualistically. Right. So of course there was going to be a culture clash. Right. So uh, there's so many layers to all of this, just the terms we use every day and how they are defined across the cultures. It's, 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 um, it's, it's worth really investigating and just talking about it. Yeah, well, I'm so happy that you are working on these books. You have this passion project because it is bringing, it's bringing that to light, and it's you know giving us this physical thing. Like, okay, you know, let's read a book, and then it can bring, it'll bridge, to make it a little bit easier to talk about all these yeah kind of fraught issues, right? Right, right. Um, and I can imagine that they're going to get even more difficult and challenging, and you know, as the Marie V gets older because yes, yes, that's what happens, right? We say little kids, little problems, <laughs> big kids, big problems, big problems, big and problems. That, that works the same here, whether you're a, right. a child of immigrants or not. Right, right. So, well, thank you. I mean, this was really such a pleasure. Um, so anything else that you, I think you mentioned where we can find you, but maybe just remind us again. Yeah, we are mightyv.com has uh, more information about mightyv and and uh, you can buy from the wearemightyv.com site as well. It goes back to Amazon. So all all things lead back to Amazon when it comes to the books and nuestra.tv is where you can go watch the first episode and two more are coming out this year. That's so wonderful. And we will, again, everything's in the show notes. So just head over there and you can click and find 
all the good things. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I am really floored. Thanks. I'm like amazed that all you've done and all you're working to do. So thank see, you. See, Gatsy. Keep it up. Keep up the good uh, work. Thanks, Heather. Appreciate it. Appreciate your time today. Such a pleasure. Yeah, likewise. Likewise. All right. Well, thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. All right. Have a good day. Too.